Talk Radio Studios. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on this Monday evening. We took a week off last week. We'll get into that here in just a little bit, but let's welcome to our microphones here this evening our co-host for this week's broadcast, Blake Watson. Blake, how are you doing this week? I'm all right, Dave. Hanging in there, man. Yeah, it's it's been one of those times, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been crazy. It's just, uh, you know, you never know which way is up. I know they're talking about opening Ohio up a little bit starting May 1st. Um, who knows what that means, whether that means we're going to see another spike in these cases. Who knows what's going to happen? Well, if we were on a regular season schedule, do you realize that tonight the Reds would be entertaining the Atlanta Braves? And the Indians would be on the road facing Tampa Bay. Unfortunately, we're not on that regular season schedule. Wouldn't that be nice to be watching baseball right now? I mean, this is crazy. I mean, you know, okay, to be honest with everybody, over the past two weeks, it's been a little little bit rough on me. Um, As you probably or may or may not know, uh, my father passed away uh, last Sunday uh, after a brief bout with uh, esophageal cancer. Uh, it was a rough time for our entire family, so we didn't do the show last week, and um, but we're getting back into the swing of things this week. You know, Blake, I wanted to spend a little portion of tonight's uh, broadcast talking a little bit about how uh, our fathers affected us um, as far as being baseball and, and really all, all sports fans. I mean, I know my dad had a a big influence on me as far as being a sports fan. And I know your dad did too. Yeah, man. First and foremost, Dave, I'd like to extend my, you know, my heartfelt condolences to you and your family. Uh, you know, I love your brother and I'm, I'm with you. I lost my dad just over three years ago. Um, I was actually helping my sister and mother move yesterday and I saw, you know, my dad was in the, Army, I was in the Navy and I saw his folded flag and I had a little bit of an emotional moment yesterday and, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's sad, man. You lose that guy that was, you know, he was everything to me. I don't know about your relationship with your dad, but my dad was my best friend when I was in the Navy. I was 700 miles away from home and I talked to my dad every day. Yeah. Um, never ever missed a phone call with my dad and a lot of times it would end up just shooting the bull about sports, man. Just, just <laughs> talking. You know, just just having that that connection with with him was, you know, short of the relationship I have with my son, the greatest thing that I've had in my entire life. That's the other thing that um, you and I have in common. Our fathers both served in branches of the military. My dad uh, served in the Army uh, from 1957 through 1959, and, of course, he had a, a military funeral. We've got the flag also, but... It, believe it or not, he was in the radio division. He was he was uh, um, stationed in Chicago during the Korean War. So he he loves the city of Chicago, and of course that's where one of our producers, Greg Mitchell, and the the founder of Ultimate Sports Talk, uh, is is in right now working for an attorney firm there. Um, but he loved the city of Chicago. Matter of fact, one of the stories that uh, we talked about. Um, last Thursday at the funeral with the family when we were allowed to actually get together 
but had to, you know, of course, still adhere to the social distancing. Um, my uncle, my, my mother's sister, or brother, excuse me, um, made the comment that back in 1959, my dad actually went and picked him up and said, we're going to Chicago. We're going to go see if early win can pick up his 300th win against the White Sox. Wow, that's cool. And he just took off for Chicago. He didn't get it. He got it the next time, but he didn't get it then. Um, but, yeah, that was just some of the things. You know, I remember taking my father. I always got, when I was working for a radio station in Ashland at WNCO, um, we were one of the flagship stations for, or one of the, the flagship companies for the Indians broadcasts. And, of course, they played in the old mausoleum as people used to call it that big 72,000 monstrosity on the lake and every radio person would get four tickets to each game and on July 4th I put in the the ticket request because the only time the Indians ever sold out a game back then in the 80s were opening day and July 4th so I put in the request on July 4th very early so I could be sure to get them for a doubleheader against the Yankees and I took my dad up to see it, and he and I just had the time of our lives there while my mother sat there next to us reading a book in the middle of 72,000 people. <laughs> One of the craziest awesome. things. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember any any games that you and your dad went to see? Oh, man, so many. You know, the Reds have a uh, um, a kid glove game thing to do. I assume mm-hmm. everybody kind of does that, but. We we did that a lot growing up with my baseball teams. We went to a ton of games. I'll never forget when the Reds were in the midst of building Great American Ballpark. And as you know, Riverfront Stadium was the, the old dual-purpose cookie-cutter yep. stadium. Well, when they built Great American, they took center field, all the stands out of center field, and opened it up to make room to build the outfield wall of Great American Ballpark. And they took out because the Bengals had opened Paul Brown Stadium, they took out the AstroTurf and put in grass. The first time I walked through the fields of then, the, the gates of then Synergy Field and it was natural, real grass was the coolest thing I ever saw in my entire life. That much beautiful green Kentucky bluegrass. And I got to watch Ken Griffey Jr. play center field on it. And I obviously grew up a huge Griffey fan, man. And, that was just the coolest experience I, I can remember at a baseball game. And I don't remember if they won or lost. I remember it was me, my dad, and my two brothers. And it was also the first game I ever caught a foul ball in. It landed in the old, uh, the old kind of hallways that would go back to the, the, the concessions area, the concourse level. And I jumped a fence and dove on the ball in front of a grown man. And at first the guy thought he was going to take it away from me. And then my dad and brothers who are my, <laughs> My brother, oldest brother's 10 years older than I am, all stood up and kind of stared at him. And he knew right then and there that he wasn't getting that baseball. I had scraped knees and elbows. Man, it was great. We shared everything, though. We were, you know, I'm one of the years I came home from the Navy, one of my presents to my dad was tickets for him, me, my brothers, and my uncle, who I also share a lot of this this uh, sports fandom with. And we still talk almost daily. We talked a lot about the Bengals draft over the weekend. But I took him to a UC Bearcats basketball game, and I paid for everything. First time I ever had money in my life, and I could do <laughs> fun stuff like that. It was mine, and I did it, and I, I it was my gift to them. 
Um, we sat courtside, like it was just a cool experience. And there's so many things with sports, man. The biggest thing with baseball though, that I remember with my dad is the ride homes after games, man. <clears throat> and I was so concerned with growing up with, uh, apologize. My dogs are barking, but, right. um, I, was so concerned with playing well for my dad. And yeah. he it got to a point where he had to sit somewhere during games that I couldn't even see it. And uh we would ride home and talk about the game afterwards and it was just, you know, times that I'll never get back, man. It's that's the little stuff you look back on and it's just like that was awesome. Yeah, I you know, my dad coached me two years. I think it was two years in little league baseball. And the thing I'll remember the most is back then you used to pick three players off of each team to be on the all-star team. And he picked three players other than me. <laughs> he didn't pick me to be the all, to be on the all-star team. And I remember being so upset at him. I was 11 years old. I remember being so upset at him and we got home and, and he said, you've got two more years to be an all-star. And these other guys were at the end of being Little League All-Stars. He said, that's why I picked them. And, you know, he, he said, I didn't want anybody to think that I was uh, playing favoritism, naming my son. That's the way, you know, my dad was. One one little funny story about my dad, and he always used to love to tell this. We were in Cleveland one time, and we were up there to just go to Cedar Point. And we decided to go as a family, go see the Indians play. My dad was full of one-liners all the time. And he called up to get tickets, and the guy said, Dad says, do you have five tickets available for tonight's game? And the guy said, sure, sure, I'll get you five tickets. And So Dad paid for him. He says, what time does the game begin? And Dad said, the guy at the, t- the ticket box for the Indians said, what time can you be here? <laughs> because nobody ever came to the Indians games then. So that's awesome. I did not know though. You just, you know, I learned something new every day. I did not know that old Riverfront Stadium ever had grass on the field. It, it once they turned it into Synergy Field and they they were getting ready to build Great America and they put in real grass. It was awesome. Why? It was a one one season. Okay. I don't know why they did it for one year. I really don't. Um, I I don't know if that was. I don't know if they took that grass and ended up putting it in Great American. I don't know how that worked. But they did do it for a year. What's the, what's the thing that you miss most about your dad? Oh God, everything, man. Um, you know, I went through a lot of tough times personally, and my dad battled some pretty bad demons towards the end of his life, and he finally, you know, got squared away there at the end, and just being able to share life with him, man. I'm, mm-hmm. I grew up. The way I grew up, Dave, is, you know, I was that kid that everybody always talked about had so much potential. And I was the one that the first one that was going to graduate college. And I was going to be the guy that, you know, made the family proud. And I feel like with the job that I have now and what I do in my life, I think, you know, I think I've done that. It took me a while to get there. Um, the day I graduated college, being the first person with the last name Watson ever do it. He wasn't there and it was, God, it was tough. Yeah. Oh, so difficult, man. And just thinking about him that day and what he would have said to me 
and seeing him seeing me never really got to see me as a father. He died when my son was three or four years old and he never got to see the man that he raised become raise another man. And it's just, you know, everything being able to call him when I need help, being able to talk to him on a daily basis. Those are the reds. It's just every part about it, man, is difficult. Yeah, I think the 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 one thing that I am going to miss tremendously about my father is not being able to talk to him on a daily basis, um, and not especially every Sunday. I used to talk to him every Sunday. I'd talk to my mom for about a half an hour and then my dad for about two and a half hours. And it would be about anything. It would be about cord cutting on TV. It would be about you know, sports, it would be about politics, it, it would be just about anything, it didn't matter, you know, we would just sit there and talk for hours on end, it was, it was crazy, but, you know, that, that was the one thing, but anyway, so. I, I think that I also miss being able to be a peer, you know, we, his, my entire life, he was my dad, now that I'm a grown man and have my own life and wife and kid and and do things that I, you know, get to do my life. And I don't, it's just, I miss, you know, just being able to, you know, just be buddies instead of being father or son necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we were great friends and we talked about everything, but you know, that, that relationship and him not getting to know my son and the, the young man he's going to become, it's just tough, man. It's a difficult thing. I miss him every day. Well, my dad had a full life. He told my mom before he left, you know, I said, I've had a good life. Uh, it's time for me to go home. He was 85 years old, and I just want to thank everybody that extended their well wishes everywhere on Facebook, by phone call, by card, on Twitter, especially to you, Blake, for all the, the well wishes that you sent out. Um, my dad was a special guy, Len Mitchell, and like I said, he passed away at the age of 85 a week ago Sunday. He would have loved this because he did love baseball. He loved listening to me talk about baseball. He loved listening to the, the broadcasts and everything. But nonetheless, let's get back into baseball. You know, like we said, this would have been, we'd be one month into the season right now, Blake. One month. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the Indians and the Reds were supposed to up and open up on March 26th. And where are we? We're on April 26th right now. And this season, you know, one of the things that was interesting was this season when it opened up, it was going to have the most new managers of new teams in Major League Baseball history. They were going to have 10 teams with new managers. That's one-third of the league on opening day we would have seen. Dusty Baker with the Astros. You would have seen Joe Madden going to the Angels. Joe Girardi to the Phillies. Gabe Kapler to the Giants, which I thought was the stupidest hire. <laughs> of all the major league managers, Kapler proved with the Phillies last year he couldn't manage. Mike Matheny went to the Royals. Ron Renneke to the Red Sox. David Ross was a brand-new manager with the Cubs. He had never managed before. Neither had Jace Tingler of the Padres. Jace Tingler, whoever heard of Jace Tingler, as a matter of fact. Luis Rojas of the Mets, he was going to be the Mets manager. And Derek Shelton of the Pirates was the new manager of the Pirates. Those were the new managers. And on top of that, 
there were two managers of that group that had both managed the Chicago Cubs. That was Joe Madden and Dusty Baker. I mean, you talk about retreads and new people coming in, Blake. It was going to be a lot of fun if they ever would have got the season underway. Well, and technically there was an 11th too because the Mets originally hired Carlos Beltran. Yeah. And he had to, they had to let him go after the, the Astros cheating stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would have been interesting. Some of those names are, are, uh, kind of shocking. I would have liked to see what Joe Girardi could do with the Phillies. Um, you know, he's a, he's a pretty legitimate guy, pretty real, yeah. real live top end manager. And that team's got some talent. Um, I actually really is it, even with all the stuff that went on with the Astros. I thought Dusty was the right hire for them. I really did. Yeah, a, a veteran guy with you know a presence that could help get them through that difficult time. Um, although you know I have my thoughts about what he did as a res as a res manager. That's for sure. Um, there was definitely more talent on that team than he got out of them. But well, that's here nor there right now. Uh, and then the other one that would have been really crazy to see would have been probably Joe Madden with the Angels. Um, another team that's got some some definite talent. I mean, the best player in baseball for sure. See what he would have done with Shohei Otani. That would have been kind of cool to see. And and Madden's just got that, I don't know, he's got that it factor that a lot of managers don't really have. That guys gravitate towards him. Um, and, you know, there's a ton of second-year guys too, including, you know, the Reds' David Bell. I, you know, I was really excited mm-hmm. to see what he could do in a second year with a much more talented roster. Yeah, it, it, it once they get everything underway, if and when they get everything underway this season, uh, it's going to be a, a very interesting. You know, matter of fact, when you talk about Ron Renneke being the the manager of the Red Sox, uh, they are not discounting the fact that Renneke may be just a one year guy. Uh, taking, taking over the fact, uh, from last year's manager who got caught up in the, the whole scandal about the, um, uh, stealing the signs and everything. And, and when you look at that, they're not discounting that he may be coming back next year. Yeah, they had Alex Cora was their manager yeah. beforehand. Um, and he was the bench coach in Houston, Houston when all that stuff went on. Um, so yeah, he was another one of the guys that would kind of, there was three managers that lost their job because of the Astros cheating scandal. Um, which is still boggles my mind to know players were punished, but that's again here nor there. Who was uh, the, who was the team that you were, other than the Reds and the Indians, what team were you most excited to see this season? It's a tough question. Uh, it's, it's easy to say the Dodgers because of what they did. Um, and that, that team was just loaded. Um, I don't know outside of them. I like Atlanta a lot. I like, I like their young guys. I like Freddie Freeman a ton. I like watching Atlanta play. I know my buddy Kevin Lanky, the SID at Rose Holman will like to hear that. He's a big Atlanta Braves fan. Uh-huh. Um, I don't really have a second team that I'd really like to see. I mean, I know there's some teams that would have been really good out there, but. Uh, Yankees would have been fun to watch, although I hate the Yankees. Um, there would have been, I would have been really excited to just see what would have happened in the NL Central with all the, all the jumbling that happened in that division this year. It would have been a fun division to watch this year. I was really interested to see just how good the Chicago White Sox were going to be. 
Um, they had made some splashes in the free agent market and trades during the off season, and I was really, I, even though they're in the same division with the Indians, I was really excited to see just how good the White Sox were going to be. Greg, as I said, lives in Chicago. And every time I go to Chicago, I have to drive right past Kamitsky Park in order to get to his place. And he's only three-quarters of a mile from Wrigley Field. It's the very next train stop after you leave his place. So he's really got a great vantage point of both stadiums. And I was anxious to go see both of those teams play, the White Sox and the Cubs this year in Chicago. But right now, Blake, the way it looks, it looks like if we have baseball, in 2020, it is going to be only in Arizona, and it will be at the minor league complexes and the major league complexes there, and it has not really gone over with much sincerity and much enthusiasm among the major league baseball players, has it? No. Um, and I'm actually reading something now because we were talking prior to getting on the air um, about what they're talking about doing and this is this was just released um on the 21st uh the commissioner expects baseball to return they're saying the the players and league agreed to 2020 MLB season won't begin until there are no bans on mass gatherings that limit the ability to play in front of fans there are no travel restrictions and medical experts determine games will not pose a risk to the health of teams and fans, which those things right there make me think it might not come back this year. Yeah. Yeah. I know Mike Trout was the biggest player, the biggest opponent to what they were talking about, having all the games in Arizona because of the fact that he said it would mean that all of the players would spend at least four months away from their families. They wouldn't be allowed to go anywhere. And Trout was the biggest proponent against that. He wanted to be able to see his family. Plus, another thing that was really, a lot of people didn't realize this, there weren't going to be any any fans allowed to come to the games, and the players were not going to be allowed to go into the dugout. They were going to sit in the stands during the innings that they were out at bat, and they had to sit three seats away from each other because that's the six-foot rule. That's crazy. I didn't know all that. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, it, it, that's just not a realistic thing. There's no way that'll work. Um, I, I think it's, I don't think it's going to happen in Arizona. I just think they're going to have to wait it out, to be honest with you. Yeah. And the, the question is now, and of course this is a baseball show, but how is this going to affect college football and professional football? Well, and from both of our perspective, you know, Working in college athletics, it changes a lot of things for me personally. If we, if we lose football, I don't know what that means as far as, you know, my job, my, you know what I mean? I don't know mm-hmm. what that means is because all the talk nationally obviously is, um, about, you know, the power five and big time D ones. And I don't think they ever realize how important. Um, you know, our college football is to D3s and small D1s and D2 level. And it's just, they don't get like, we've had a rash of, you know, um, colleges closing in the past month or 
so with this COVID-19 stuff highlighted by Urbana College last week, mm-hmm. shutting their doors. They're done. They're not going to, they're not going to operate anymore. And it's, they're not going to be the last. That's, that's the big thing. They will not be the last ones. Yeah. If there's going to be more schools that do that. And if there's no football in the fall, it's going to get hairy for a lot of schools. Um, and you know, the D ones, it's, if they don't have college football, they don't have fans in the stands and TV revenue. And it doesn't just affect football. It, you know, football, there's not many schools in the country that had that turn a profit on their football program or on their athletics program because they take that football money and roll it into every other sport. That's how they pay for swimming and diving and women's soccer and, you know, baseball and softball and yeah. all these different things. That's how they fund their athletics departments is through the money they make for football. And it's, it's, it's just not, not going to be good for anybody if this doesn't, if football doesn't happen in the fall. Well, we talked about baseball and what's happening with that. We've already had one minor league cancel its season officially, and that's the Cape Cod Baseball League, which happens most every year in Massachusetts. And 300 players participate in that every summer. But on Friday, they announced that they're canceling their 2020 season. Major League Baseball has already announced although they haven't announced the teams that it's going to happen to, that 25% of their minor leagues are going to go by the wayside for this year, at least this year. They may even cut them even further down the road and only go, you know, a lot of, a lot of major league baseball teams, Blake, have five minor league teams moving up from the instructional league all the way up to AAA. And if they start eliminating you know, single A, maybe double A teams, uh, you're going to see a lot younger baseball players in the major leagues than you would have prior to this. Yeah, I would agree. And you're going to see a lot of guys that were making a living in the minor leagues not be able to make a living anymore. Yeah. Um, it's going it, to, it's going to completely change the landscape of sports as we know it. It's got a chance to anyway. Um, and uh, you know, obviously as someone who works in athletics, I'm really anxious to, to, see this stuff get back to normal, understanding what what is going on. I get it. I, I see it. I'm not ignorant of the fact that people are dying from this disease. But, you know, at some point we gotta live our lives, right? And it's 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 gotta be it's gotta be we we've gotta have something going on outside of our homes. And, you know, sports is a big key to that. I know we talked last time and I think, you know, sports are an escape for people and if we get something soon I mean, you can tell by the ratings that the draft drew oh yeah i was going to bring that up yeah you're right and and the ratings that the last dance is drawing on espn which is awesome if you haven't seen it isn't that great um, it's so good yeah and obviously that's that's the height of my my fandom right there 98 99 i was 11 12 years old so who who loves sports more than a kid at that age um it's just you know there's got to be something's got to give at some point and it's, I don't know when it's going to be, whatever sport comes back first is going to have a huge impact on their ability to, you know, succeed going forward. That's why I think if baseball's got a, got the ability to come back, even if it's just in a TV version, I mean, how many people would tune into a baseball game right now at night? Regardless of whether or not you could be there, there is 
a ridiculous amount of people that would watch it on TV, and that's going to draw crazy ratings. Yep. Um, I, th- I, th- I think, you know, baseball's got an opportunity to, to, you know, win some fans back if they do this the right way. Um, and maybe be the only game in town, so to speak. Like, you know, growing up, and you're, I, I know this is before your time, but when the Big Red Machine was just coming into formation, the last basic dynasty in Major League Baseball was the Oakland Athletics. And they won three straight world championships, including the first one over the, the Big Red Machine in 1972. But, and I remember that series. That, that's how old I am. I don't want to date myself, but that's how old I am. But it took Charlie Finley, the owner, to destroy that dynasty because those players were there for a long time. They were a young, young ball club that won three straight world championships. And Charlie Finley, they hated him. They bonded against him in order to play well on the field. And the reason I bring that up is, boy, when you when you look at that that documentary of The Last Dance and you see how well done that is, the only person that could destroy that dynasty, winning six world championships in eight years that the Bulls had, was Jerry Krause. He was the only guy that could destroy that dynasty. If he had just let it go and let it run its course, Blake, I think they could have won at least two more. Without a doubt. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And Well, I guess the other thing that could derail it was Jordan trying to play baseball for 18 months. But if he doesn't do that, they probably win the two that he was going for. Um, it's... I, I just don't understand if you're in that position, what what do you think you gain from telling Phil Jackson he's not going to coach anymore? Yeah. Like, the guy, I mean, he obviously went on to great success with the Lakers, and the guy's one of the greatest coaches in the history of sport, and you basically fired him. And because you fired him, you alienated the best player in the history of, sport, of team sport, Michael Jordan. I, I just – you know, how Jerry Krause survived that for as long as he did, I don't get. It's crazy to me. Well, switching back to baseball, the other thing I want to bring up here tonight before we end up the end of the show um, is the fact that there's a lot of rumors going around about how these owners are basically going to pay these players for this year. Right now they've got them on a full scale. For example, the Indians. Okay, there have been 20 major league ball clubs. Out of the 30, 20 of them have said they're going to continue to pay their front office staff a full salary. The Indians are one of them that have not. I haven't heard anything out of the Reds yet as far as what Castellini has decided to do. But the Dolans have come out and said they're going to start laying people off. Sooner or later, you're going to have to crap or get off the pot, I guess is a better, the best, best thing I could say because these owners are going to have to decide, are we going to continue to pay full price for these, these employees or are we going to have to furlough some of them? Um, I mean, I think as long if baseball continues to not be played, it's inevitable that everyone's going to furlough them. I don't care how wealthy these people are. There is, there's hurt. Behind it, right? Like it's their 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 pocketbooks are getting hammered right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think I think inevitably, that if baseball, I read something a few minutes ago that said, you know, they're hoping to come back in July. Um, if they come back in July, I think you're fine. I think one of the questions is, it's really 
kind of funny to look at too is what happens with these players' contracts. Do they are I mean if we don't play baseball this year, does it count as a year of contract? Does it count as a year of service? So the perfect example for the Reds would be Nick Cassianos, right? Nick Cassianos has the ability to opt out at the end of every year. Well, if he doesn't play this year and they pay him whatever $16 million, can he still opt out at the end of the year? I mean, that, that wouldn't seem right to me from a, from an ownership standpoint. But then again, from the player standpoint, he still ages a year. So it's, uh, it's just kind of interesting to see how this will all shake out. Well, the, long, the longer they wait, though, the more tricky it's going to become. It, it, exactly. And again, with the Indians, you talk about Castellanos. With the Indians, it's Francisco Lindor. He's got two years left on his contract, and and is that going to continue on, or is he only going to have one year left on his contract? I mean, it's it's there are some tricky situations out there that Major League Baseball is going to have to really look into, and I'm seeing right now where. Now they're even considering a three-state plan where it would be Arizona, Florida, and Texas that they would be playing their ball games in. So, I mean, I guess I kind of like the idea that they're being, you know, working in college sports. I know how bad the weather is here in the spring. But by the time we play, it's going to be summer, so I don't think it really matters. If I were baseball, I'd probably get back into the stadium as soon as I can and, and you know, travel – What's the real issue with travel? All these teams travel, you know, they don't travel commercial anymore. It's all based yeah. on, uh, it's, it's, it's all chartered. So it's, you're not around people that you weren't, wouldn't typically be around. Um, they have the same flight crews on all these planes. They own their own planes. It's, if you could get in and play games, even if you can't allow fans, I know they said they want to have fans and who wouldn't want to have fans? But, you know, games got to be played at some point, and the TV ratings would be astronomical. Yeah, yeah, they would. Final story tonight, though, Blake, uh, Steve Dalkowski passed away over the weekend. Do you know who he is? Uh, I've heard the name. <laughs> he is a former minor league pitcher who had a legendary and erratic fastball and was the inspiration for Nuke Lelouch in the movie Bull Durham. I actually just watched Bull Durham the other day. Great movie. <laughs> what a great movie. I Any- might start calling you meat, Dave. <laughs> Anything that travels that far should have a stewardess. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kevin Costner is one of the greatest ever in baseball movies, isn't he? Oh, I mean, my. Any final thoughts done- on this week? Any final thoughts on baseball this uh, week? I just want it back, man. I just, I just really want... To watch a baseball game, I would do anything to sit on my deck with a beer right now and watch a ball game. Yeah. I mean, I just, I feel like it's time. It's, it's, you know, the states are talking about opening back up and I know that, you know, Tennessee's opening starting Monday. They've announced their plan to open restaurants starting Monday and retail stores starting Wednesday. And I think they're just going to be the first. I know Texas is rolling out their plan as well. Um, this virus has been tragic. It's been horrifying, but you know, it, it, it can't, it can't be the reason we completely change our way of life. Um, there's, there's just too much, too much good in the world that comes. And a lot of it comes from sport. There are stories. The reason I work in sports is there are stories that come out of sport that don't come from anywhere else in life. 
and they can rally communities. And you saw the NFL raise over $80 million to donate to COVID relief just by the NFL draft. Yeah. And, and what, what other organization in the world can do something like that? There isn't one. It doesn't exist. People don't do what sports can do. Like companies don't do it. Individual corporations don't do it. And individual people can't do it to the level that these leagues can. And I don't know, man. We just need it. We need sports. We need baseball. And I really want there to be football in the fall because I got a feeling the Bengals are going to be pretty good. I want to see Joe Burrow in orange and black. <laughs> well, we'll get into that down the road. But, uh, hey, we'll talk to you again next Monday night, Blake. All right, Dave. All right. That's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks for joining us. Our thanks to Greg Mitchell for producing and, of course, to Blake Watson. I'm Dave Mitchell on another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Have a good night, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.